Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So it's just going to be a question of how it plays out. But the UAW is continuing the strike and it's going to take place in parts distribution centers across 20 states. Ford might get spared. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. You know the United Auto Workers are on strike. Uh, they went against all three. Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis, formerly Fiat Chrysler. Little uh, shutdowns here and there, meaning we took them out of this plant in Missouri, this plant in Michigan, this plant in Ohio. 13,000 members on strike. You've got 146,000 people who could go on strike, less than 10% of the force. I thought they would put more people on strike earlier this week. They waited till today. And now we're hearing that there's progress being made in the contract talks between the UAW and Ford, but not with General Motors and not with Stellantis. So they are planning more strikes at GM and Stellantis. And according to a live stream that took place with the UAW president, Sean Fain, F-A-I-N is his last name, it's going to be a walkout at 38 parts distribution centers across 20 states. Fain said, and I'm quoting here, we do want to recognize that Ford is serious about reaching a deal. At GM and Stellantis, it's a different story. According to Fain, Ford has agreed to reinstate a cost of living adjustment that was eliminated in 2009 and enhanced profit sharing along with uh, uh, some other offers. Now, uh, the COLA, the cost of living adjustment is where I said, yeah, it's not coming. That's not coming. I guess it all depends on how you uh, move it. You add that, you take out something else and find it acceptable and agreeable. Look, you're going to pay it one way or you're going to pay it uh, uh, another way. So, you know, just, you know, do do what you do. F- figure out which way the deal's going to work. I am, uh, I am very curious to see how this plays out. Now, the idea that you're going to go and deal with parts... Understand what this means. If you're going to say, hey, parts distribution centers, we're done. Now your local dealership is going to have an issue. How does your dealership fix your car if it cannot get the parts? That's the question. So they have taken this approach of first spreading the strike out amongst all members of the big three as opposed to just targeting one. And now they're going to go about making life difficult for the dealerships, all to put pressure on the big three to say, get it done, because the dealerships are going to be calling up. You know, you're, you're a Jeep dealer. You're going to be calling up Stellantis. Guys, I can't get my widgets. And without my widgets, I can't fix cars. And my customers are unhappy. And they're going to go somewhere else where they have that widget. And I'm going to lose that customer for forever. Get this done. 38 locations across 20 states. So you got to ask, where are, are these things uh, going to apply the most pressure? Where do they feel they'll get the most opportunity for media coverage? Where do they, you know, the earned media, where they, they're able to, to really get some, some value, some, some push on, on all of this. All that's coming. All of that is coming. So as, as is now being reported, and I, I just have it here, 
today, at, at, so they, they, this happened at, at noon, all of the parts distribution centers at General Motors and Stellantis will be called to stand up and strike. Yeah, it's going to have a bit of a, it's going to have a bit of a play on the markets. It's going to have a bit of a play on everybody. And my advice to you, uh, you might want to get that uh, thing fixed on your car now. I mean, right now. I would wonder. I would want, I should check with some of the dealerships. Now, you know, full disclosure, uh, here in Indianapolis, I, I do work with, with a Ford uh, dealership, Andy Moore Ford, and I, and I have on and off uh, for years and absolutely wonderful, wonderful people. I, I, will, I will check with them and see how, how, how it's going. Um, but you got to assume, and remember, this is Ford. Ford's not going to have this issue because the the according to to the UAW they are um in in a, in a much better place in terms of the negotiation you understand that can all change and that could change for for two reasons that could change because they don't actually have as close of a deal as being said or it could change for the political that maybe UAW wants to now bring them into this to make the strike seem a little bit stronger, to put more pressure on everybody to get a better deal all the way around. To get a better deal in one place is not to get a better deal all the way around. Because Ford agreeing to something does not necessarily mean that that's the thing that will be agreed to by Stellantis and General Motors. Every deal has, will be a little bit different because the company itself is a little bit different. Now, if Ford reaches a deal, GM could look at that and say, yeah, we could live with that. You know what? Same deal. Let's go. And then that could be done. Or the or the union could say, no, 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 no. We need a little bit of this from you. You know, they were early, but you, you got to do that. It's, it's all possible. I can't imagine. So some of the things that they were looking for in this strike involved a 32-hour work week. I can't see it. The four-day work week. I cannot see it happening. And and for the record, I am not opposed to the four-day work week at all. At all. I'm fine with it. If it's a conversation about production, no matter what it is, cars or anything else, and you can get it done in four days instead of five, what do I care? What do I care? You can argue that what I care about is, well, I'm paying... Maybe I should get more out of that fifth day of production. You become more valuable. Well, wouldn't the argument be, well, then you would pay me more. Well, if I'm paying you more, then you definitely got to work five days a week. No, we only want to work four days a week. And it goes back and forth. If you're getting the value, getting out of the, the agreement, the, the relationship, what you need, it doesn't matter if they work four days. The younger generation, whether it be millennial, really Gen Z, the argument is, do you care if I'm in the office or I'm at home? Am I doing the work? That's all that matters. And I accept that as an argument as long as they accept, yes, but your work is garbage. You're not good at this and you need supervision so you can get better at this. So my what I'm paying you actually has a value to me. Your work isn't good enough. You working at home on your own don't create as good of a product as when you're in the office. The end which uh, millennials and Gen Z then say, you're not my real dad, and they run off and they cry, and, and that's it. But, uh, but, you know, it's true. It doesn't matter how much they complain when they're at the office. Not even supposed to be here today. If they're more productive, then that's what the company needs.
I don't know if you can get the production regarding uh, the UAW in a four-day week. I don't know how that one is going to play. I-, I find that one suspect. The cost of living increases uh, until now is like, yeah, that's that's not happening. But I guess if you went that route and you changed it in something else, whether it be changed in a pension benefit or changed in another place, the money is the money. Does it necessarily matter where where you bring it to? Where you maneuver it to? Maybe it doesn't. But that's a little bit, you know, you got to be in in the weeds on that one to to follow how that's going to work. So here we are with that latest on UAW. You're going to have parts distribution centers across 20 states for Stellantis and General Motor going out. They're out, which means dealerships are going to have a little bit of a tougher time getting product. Ford might have a deal soon with the UAW. I'm a little surprised by this, but I can't wait to see what the details are. The devil's always in the details. And the strike goes on. Certainly, it's going to go on all weekend. I don't think it gets solved tomorrow. I don't think. I just don't know how much pressure is really on on GM and on Stellantis. I don't know how much, I don't know where the pressure comes from. With this, on the parts distribution side, if the dealerships can't get parts, that's going to be a lot of phone calls. Pressure will be there. But I wonder if they're really ready to to move. And I wonder what the UAW is really willing to give up in what they're looking for. The strike will continue. 20 states. Yeah, you may be feeling it where you live soon enough. This is Tony Katz today. Did you know that the MGM hotels were under cyber attack? I did not know this. I didn't know this was happening. It was a story earlier this week over the New York Post where the MGM is losing $8.4 million a day because their slot machines are, are under attack. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you, of course. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. It quotes a guy by the name of David Katz, which, uh, no relation, uh, uh, the same name uh, of my late brother, David. So I was like, okay, that's, it's it's still weird to see. It's it's super common. David Katz is like the Jack Smith of Jews. It, it, it's just everywhere. Still a little weird. Um, MGM could be taking a hit between 10 and 20% on revenue and cash flow. It re- it generates MGM generates forty two million in revenue and eight million in cash flow daily. Holy cow! Casino business good, very good. Um, the the cybersecurity issues as described silent slot machines and shut down internal computer systems. That's crazy. MGM and Caesars Entertainment, largest casino operator in the world, both victims of cyber attacks carried out by hackers. Now, you may not have ever heard me say this, although I have discussed it. I believe when you find the hackers, nothing is enough. It doesn't matter to me what you do to them. 
Nothing is enough. The people who hack into your phone and put out your photos, there's nothing you can't do to them that I'm opposed to. The people who try and stop your business or engage in ransomware, nothing you can do to them that I'm opposed to. Oh, oh, thank goodness there is a rule of law and a justice system because the last thing you want is dictator Tony deciding what happens because when I do, these people are going to have a very hard time typing what without all those fingers. Oh, Oh, these people disgust me in a way that is irrational. It's gross that you do this. Oh, look, we have a skill set. And so we'll use that skill set not to actually earn our keep, but just to take it from you. There's nothing that you could do to those people who do this. Once you find them where I'd be like, "Mm, maybe that's a bridge too far. Nothing to their children. Nothing to their families, but to them. There's a group called ALPHV, A-L-P-H-V, believes, believed to have used ransomware in these attacks. Uh, disabled hotel room pass cards, booking systems, and machines on the floor. I, I tell any person who is of a certain young age trying to figure out what to do with, with their lives all the time, that this, I mean, people will talk about AI from now until the end of time, and AI will eventually be used uh, regarding cybersecurity, but this is it. Cybersecurity is it. I have argued that it's the one place where we should have total, total bipartisan agreement. We can all agree that that cybersecurity is necessary regardless of your side of the aisle, regardless of your socioeconomic status. It makes no difference. These attacks hurt all they damage all and we need to do something about the attacks and about the attackers of course we do now i do fear that if you were to create legislation that really engaged the attackers lord only knows how that legislation can get manipulated this is my own uh, personal issues with what we see constantly uh, regarding the federal government and how these things are applied When red flag laws regarding firearms first started coming up, I looked at them and I said, I understand this. This makes sense. You have somebody in your family who is unwell. You utilize these laws to have them adjudicated, meaning by a judge, mentally unfit so they cannot harm themselves or others. Because taking away somebody's Second Amendment rights or like any right, eh, it's a pretty big deal. There's a process, and you utilize these laws to help them protect themselves and to protect others because you know somebody is unwell. Adjudicated mentally unfit, I'm fine with. And when I first heard this and first read this, I was like, yeah, I, 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 I see the value in this. This makes sense. This isn't some willy nilly thing. This is a, a, a system involving a judge, ensuring that rights are protected to the best of the ability. I'm down for that. And then I saw how states abuse red flag laws. They're like, okay, I'm out. The states proved to me that they can't be trusted. Well, once they proved to me they can't be trusted, they can't be trusted. How do you how do you earn back the trust? How many times have we had this conversation, guys? Earning back the trust in, in these institutions. Yeah, I mean, that was the conversation that Victoria Sparks was really having with Attorney General Garland, Congresswoman Sparks of Indiana. Do you get that people are afraid of you? Do you understand that people are afraid of their government? 
And I do not want to be afraid of my government. I want my government scared crapless of me. If, if look, if, if these are going to be the options, I want them afraid. And if you don't want to be afraid, uh, don't, don't be a part of the government. Go work at Dairy Queen. And that's not disparaging Dairy Queen. It's a very important gig, and I like ice cream. But you won't have to worry about whether or not it's a me or you thing. Because in the choice between me, the citizen, or you, the government, I choose me, the citizen. Of course I do. I think all rational people should. Well, Tony, it's a government made up of citizens. If it's only made up of select citizens that are utilizing the power to attack other citizens and prevent them from actually being able to engage as citizens, well, then I guess it's not actually as you just said. It's become something wholly, wholly different. And this, this lack of trust in the institutions, whether it be the FBI uh, or the DOJ uh, in total, whether it be the IRS, whether it be state, whether it be DOD, uh, this, this is true and real and happening. And this is what Victoria Sparks tried to make clear to Attorney General Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland, of course, doesn't care about any of this. He's too busy ensuring his friends get sweetheart deals. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's what happened. That's what happened. We need a rule of law. But if we were to now engage the idea that here's how, what we're going to do about hackers, I do fear, like the manipulation of red flag laws, that these things would get manipulated in a way to say, well, you once looked something up, so therefore, all of a sudden we're going to precog uh, this, you know, uh, you know, whatever they were from Minority Report, the Tom Cruise movie, good movie, uh, and, and, and we'll go after people. Oh, I absolutely worry about that. So I find myself in sometimes a bit of a, of, a, of a quandary. Caesars, in this ransom attack, ab- agreed to pay $15 million to the hackers. This enabled the systems to go back online, but MGM won't pay. It's limiting the ability to do a business across 14 hotels, the Bellagio, the Aria, the MGM Grand, and Mandalay Bay. Um, good for MGM. Good for MGM, and when I go back to Vegas, I'll do what I can to stay at an MGM property. There is a math to paying the hacker, but that's also negotiating with terrorists. I would find the hackers, and then I would have a pay-per-view special. Oh, in this pay-per-view special, bad things are going to happen to these hackers. I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I would be watching The Purge and Squid Game for ideas. Oh, and Saw. All the Saw movies. Especially the stupid ones, which is mostly all of them. Uh, I, I should one day get into the conversation about how I saw the original Saw movie. And that movie ended and I said, God, is this guy a scumbag. I never hated a, a villain so much. Just a a pompous scumbag thinking that he knows better for everybody. Uh, dear Lord. And the, 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 I forget the name of the character in, in, in Saw. Jigsaw, right? Isn't that it? Um, but if you ever wanted to like, like see in action uh, what, what, how I view uh, the, the progressive in America, thinking that they know better for everybody else, there it is. It's, it's, it's Jigsaw, the weirdo clown on the tricycle, whatever it is. I hope they find the hackers, and jail's too good. But I don't, I don't believe in negotiating with the hackers at all, or in any way. 
Good on the MGM. I'm sorry you're losing the money right now, but, you know, tomorrow is a better day, and I'm ready to lose my money with you. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. There was civility. We could disagree. We could have healthy conversations um, around what's best for kids. I respect differences of opinion. I don't have too much respect for people that are misbehaving in public and then acting as if they know what's right for kids. Well, we don't have too much respect for you because you're misbehaving in public and acting like you know what's right for kids. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. That's the Secretary of Education, Miguel Cardona. What you call misbehaving, we call speaking out. What you believe is right for kids is different than what parents think is right for kids, and parents are going to have a say. And telling parents that they can't have a say is, of course, wrong, and we're not going to listen to you. This is the part that has the left apoplectic. It's true in Indiana. It is true across the country. They cannot believe that the political right is getting involved in school board races. They cannot believe that the political right is winning school board races. They cannot believe that the political right is making changes regarding school libraries and what happens with books. Let's go back to Randy Weingarten. I had this conversation with Corey DeAngelis just the other day. Um... And and I got to tell you, I'm I'm working on bringing him to, to Indiana. We're gonna we're gonna do a, a a whole thing. And uh, Randy Weingarten put out, look what's happening in Texas. Look how they're banning books. They just banned uh, uh, the, the Diary of Anne Frank. No. No, they 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 didn't. They banned a version that was written by someone else. And that book is very, very sexual. Uh, uh, Purposefully, by the way. Purposely. She flat out lied. Did Randy Reingarten, who heads up the American Federation of Teachers. She had tweeted out, uh, put out on X, Texas teacher fired for reading Diary of Anne Frank to class. This speaks for itself. That's not what happened. That is not what happened. Randy Weingarten was lying. It, the book, as a, described by Corey DeAngelis, a graphic adaptation that included sexual material. The teacher asked young kids to discuss molestation. He continued a special session is coming to Texas next month, and Governor Greg Abbott uh, has announced it's time to empower all families with education freedom and hold lying clowns like Randy Weingarten accountable. Uh, may I just say that lying clown is way too kind, and I'm going to have to teach Corey some better ways to go about the conversation. Of course parents should say that's not right. What... Am- What is this idea that the teacher, because they are a teacher, has some level of final authority over curriculum? We have discussed this in the medical profession before regarding the concept of the second opinion. In multiple places in society, the second opinion is a standard. 
the doctor comes to you and says, well, I've looked at the leg and we're going to have to amputate. And you say, I'm going to get a second opinion. But a doctor just said you have to amputate. A doctor just said, and doctors are experts. So therefore, who are you to get a second opinion? The doctor has decided. But you know that you can get a second opinion. You know you should get a second opinion. You know it's standard practice to get a second opinion. Let me give you someplace else where it happens. Hmm, you're going to need new brakes. Now it's going to be $482. I'm going to get a second opinion. I'm going to shop that around, see if I can get a better price. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm the mechanic. I'm the mechanic. And I said you need new brakes for 480 some odd dollars. That's what's going to happen. But you don't take that. You comparison shop. You're buying a TV, and the guy at Best Buy, who you're just thankful showed up to work, said, yeah, that one's got a picture and, and sound, and, and it's, it's, uh, that's $1,100. And you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a look at something else. Excuse me, excuse me. Do you see this Geek Squad t-shirt? This means I'm a, profe- I'm a pro- professional. Why am I attacking the Geek Squad? They're lovely people. Sorry, Best Buy. You didn't deserve that, Best Buy. All right, you have woke trainings and you shouldn't, but you didn't deserve that. You were just the only, you were the catch-all that I thought of. Really wonderful people. I bought things from Best Buy. I will probably end up buying another TV from Best Buy, and I only hope I deal with a competent person in the sales department. Uh, Truly, I apologize. It was rude of me, really rude. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. But if you don't like the price of the TV, you'll look at another TV. Uh, do I want the OLED? Do I want the QLED? Do I want the, the MK Ultra? Wait, that's not a TV. I don't know what I want. I'm looking at the things. Just getting a second opinion, taking another look, getting another idea, having another consultation. That is standard operating procedure. So why in the world, in the, in when it comes to education, are we told there's only one way and you don't have a say? Well, Tony, as, as we, you noted right there, you don't like the doctor, you go to another doctor. You don't like the, the mechanic, you go to another mechanic. You don't like the salesperson, you go to another salesperson. But these are experts and parents are not qualified. Okay, then I want to choose another school for my kid and I'll send them to those experts. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. School choice is racist. What if I pick another doctor? That's not racist, but school choice is racist? Only with education do they create these entire levels of bureaucracy and insanity so that you have no choice. Give us your children. We'll send you back with what we want to be the finished product. Shut your mouth. And they are amazed. They are amazed that Americans said, nah. Now we're going to keep talking. We're going to do something about this. Now we're going to keep going with this. Now we're going to say a little bit more about this. Oh, we're going to have one more conversation about this. You know what? We don't like what's happening here. Now in, in, in the Indianapolis area, it happened in Fishers, where the, the, the library board, uh, they started moving some books out of the young adult section into the adult section, John Green books and, and, and others, uh, Fault in Our Stars, etc. And that led to a lot of uh, a lot of unnecessary uh, a- angst. 
I don't think the book should have been moved. I said so here. I think John Green, the author, really uh, made himself look callous in his statement about Fishers. I wouldn't be caught dead or alive in Fishers, Indiana. I mean, that's just a gross, ugly thing to say. He later then put out a statement. The statement was harsh, but he's allowed to be a harsh in a statement. But don't be glib. People liked just crapping all over Fishers. And the best is, look what these Republicans have done and made everything political. The left wants you to believe that everything they were doing was nice, kind, decent, sound, worthy. If it was that... Well, then why in the world did the political right decide to run? What made them decide to move into this world? And the answer is because what you were doing wasn't nice, wasn't acceptable, wasn't good, wasn't decent. It was a problem. It was a problem. You can argue that there are people who have run for office and in office and have been talking about things on the political right who aren't as smooth as those on the political left. Oh, you can absolutely argue that. It's what happens when you're learning how to do something. Remember what happened to begin with. The political right ceded education to the political left. They ceded culture to the political left. They see, I mean, when I say education, I mean academia, all the way through college to the political left. They believed that the system would actually work. They believed that the system would actually provide for their children. And then after a lot of evidence, a lot of evidence, they learned, wait, my kids are not better off. My kids are not better off. I have to start paying attention. Wait, what they're teaching my kids, this isn't what I asked for. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I expected. What is this wokeness? What is this con constant uh, politics in their face? No, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You have books that are available to an eight-year-old about fisting? Which, by the way, I'm not even so sure I'm allowed to say on air, but I do. Um, what, what is this? Whoa, whoa, whoa. And then they said, hey, hey, what is going on here? And teachers unions and administrators said, you are not professionals. Sit down and be quiet. We'll tell you when your kid's ready. And they said, nah, I'm going to do something about this. And they jumped in. And just like when it came to, how dare you tell teachers what they can and can't do? How dare you think you could be on school boards? This is our turf. We're the political left. This belongs to us. You can't have it. It's mine. And the political right said, yeah, we're just going to take it. And in many cases, they did. And they won in a lot of places. And yes, some things they haven't handled perfectly. You got to learn on the job. My advice has been from the beginning and continues to be, it's okay if you're not perfect at it. Get better at it. It's okay if you make a mistake. Fix it. If you are engaged in overreach, recognize it, woe it up a little. Doesn't matter what the left says. It doesn't matter what they scream about. It doesn't matter what they complain about. It doesn't matter. What matters is you get better at what you're doing and you provide for the people you're representing a better result which is an education system that's actually based on education and on indoctrination. 
the flag conversation is a very uh, big one in this. Teachers are like, well, I need to put up my Black Lives Matter flag and I need to put up my trans flag because children need to know that they are welcomed here and that this is a safe space. Those flags are political symbols and they have no place in the classroom. The American flag goes in a classroom. If you're teaching a history class and you have flags of the world around, that's cool. I mean, if you have a Palestinian flag up and not an Israeli flag, uh, we're going to have words. Uh, but uh, flags of the world, go right ahead. Because that's what you teach. The gay pride flag is, first of all, no longer about being gay. And secondly, it's completely a political uh, 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 symbol. The Black Lives Matter flag is a political symbol. I wouldn't allow the blue line flag in a classroom. I, I have always said this, man. The, the thin blue line, I, I don't get that at all. I don't like the manipulation of the flag. I don't mind that you use the flag as a pair of shorts or a bikini. Like, I'm okay with that. I mind that you manipulate the actual flag and the colors of the flag and the act. That drives me nuts. I, 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 it, it's me. It, I get it. It's me. It might not be you. I don't find it respectful at all. I don't. I find it to be wrong. But there is no doubt that the gay pride flag is no longer about being gay. It's a political movement flag, and it is there to symbolize your connection to a political progressive movement. It has no place in the classroom, and teachers who demand to have it in the classroom shouldn't be teachers. They should go start TikTok channels, and best of luck to you. But you don't get to educate kids because you're not interested in education. You're interested in indoctrination. The answer is no. The answer is no. Black Lives Matter flag? You think you should have a flag in a classroom that represents a Marxist grift? No, nope, you're out. You're out. Well, you you're just want to get rid of teachers. Well, some have to go. There are some doctors who have to go, like Kermit Gosnell. He had to go. He couldn't be a doctor. What, with all the murders he was committing? Some teachers have to go. Some lawyers have to go. Some doctors have to go. Some mechanics have to go. Some radio hosts have to go. Not me, right? No, I get to stay. I get to stay. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. But some have to go, of course. Sometimes. What the left is bothered by is that you, whether you're on the political right, or whether you're an independent, or whether you're a free-thinking Democrat, that you said, wait a second. Parents should have a say in their kids' education. That, that is the thought of the heretic. And you better believe they view education and their control of it as religion, really, as cult. And they don't want you having a say. It's heresy. Good for you. Good for you for getting involved and staying involved. The people misbehaving are the people who think that our children should be indoctrinated and not educated. The people misbehaving are the ones who think the parents shouldn't have a say. The ones, uh, as Miguel Cardona said, acting like they know what's right for kids are those who think the parents shouldn't know what's happening with their children. Those people are the ones who are wrong. And I don't have too much respect for those people. And we should not only vote those people out, we should willfully, proactively move those people out. And then we should move out Miguel Cardona because he is not the best thing for your kids. He is not the safety and security for your children. I don't have too much respect for him. And I don't think you should either. 
I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Holy crap, this indictment of Senator Bob Menendez, Democrat, New Jersey. Bribery offenses coming out of the Southern District of New York. I mean, don't get me wrong. It coming out on a Friday is a little bit like it's going out with the trash. But this is big, big stuff. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It will be the talk of the weekend like things, the updates on uh, the strike. United Auto Workers, there's an expansion there of the strike. As you know, we've been talking about it. And, of course, by this time next week, who knows where we'll be. Will Ford have figured out the deal with the UAW? Will it continue to be going? I kind of think it's going to keep going. I mean, certainly with the other two, but really, I, I don't think in another week it's going to get all settled up, even with, with Ford, although I, I'd, I'd love to be wrong on that. But Senator Bob Menendez, t- accused of taking bribes, including cash, gold, payments towards a home mortgage, compensation for a low or no-show job, a luxury vehicle, and other things of value. Gold. Over 480000 in cash, much of it stuffed into envelopes and hidden in clothing closets and a safe, along with over $70,000 in his wife's safe deposit box, as well as over $100,000 worth of gold bars. Those are details in the indictment as reported by Jackie Heinrich of Fox News. This guy has been a criminal. Remember the stuff with the doctor he should have been indicted on? What was that, five, six years ago? Didn't happen? Oh, Bad dude, bad guy. And he is the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Well, that's going to be over. And I got to assume the career goes with it. But he's a Democrat, so who knows? Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Monday, everyone. Take care. Take care.